Welcome to Bellwether Friends, definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like. You should trust us because we're librarians. I'm Anna and I'm still thinking about Proud Mary song and movie. <laughs> I'm Aline and we hit this triple header jackpot with the house bunny and Easy A and Mean Girls that we had to stop to record the podcast. Right, Mean Girls is happening right now on E, in case anyone is listening right now and can have a bug, change your channel. <laughs> These are all movies that we have on the shelf that we could be watching without commercials, but we it's were... It's not the same. The yeah. serendipity is a thing. And every couple of weeks we're going to get together with someone, or not, and chat about a pop culture topic or two, what we think and how we feel. We'll end the show with our current sessions. This is episode 79! And we have brought in a professional <laughs> to talk about pens. We've talk- <laughs> we have Cecily Walker with us today, and she is a librarian. She is also the co-host of the Riverdale Rag podcast. She is a pen enthusiast, and she is one of our real-life internet friends. Welcome, Cecily. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are We're glad, really glad that you, you could join be with us. us, and we are super happy to talk about pens all the time. As soon as I saw the emails, we would like to have you talk about pens. I was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're sure. I could talk about pens forever. That's the idea. Yeah. Some people might be like, well, what does pens have to do with pop culture? Well, everything, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. They're an essential part of everyday life. So we will, as usual with movie plots and television plots, we are going to spoil pens for you. Yeah. We will tell you what's good <laughs> and what's bad, and we're going to tell you what happens when you use a pen. Ink comes on the page. Only if you do it right. Right, sometimes it doesn't. It's very sad. (laughs) I'm not sure my level of enthusiasm is... I love pens, but I'm not sure I have, like, the rich pen history that the two of you might have. So we're going to talk about personal pen history. And that sounds really weird when I say it. (laughs) Really? Well, I'm going to throw it over to Cecily to start, because I started thinking about this before... We were recording, and I started to get kind of emotional. Yeah, I'm looking at your notes, and it starts in the 1970s. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, so, Cecily, tell us about your personal pen history, like how far back you can trace your interest in, like, a pen being an artifact rather than just a tool. Probably, I, I don't, it might actually go back to the 70s now that you mention it, because I remember my dad, he got a Parker Jotter, from uh yeah right from uh a co- like a company he worked for as a I don't know like a twentieth anniversary gift or something it was a really nice jotter and me being the baby of the family and and not quite small but stealthy and quiet I just kind of absconded with it once I realized how how nice it wrote wow and he did finally catch me with it and he just decided he didn't care because I I got so much pleasure out of it so it probably started with the par- the Parker Jotter and then when I was in high school in the 80s gel pens became a thing for like the first time you know and, and anything that had sparkles or anything that was pink or purple occasionally turquoise but not usually uh, that was the big thing in my younger days in my high school days and they were fine i mean you know if you if you got a gel pen for me a gel pen with a nice 
broad 1.0 tip was my thing because I had broad but not very girly handwriting. I would write like in capital letters uh-huh. and me being very, very dramatic. Um, I wanted something that would fit my very dramatic signature. So, you know, a really a, a nice purple broad gel pen was like my thing. But then when I was in high school and I was R- also in ROTC, or JROTC in high school, we got a lot of things from, you know, the the army. We got lots of army supplies. And the army had these, I don't know what they were. I don't think they were, they weren't Parker Jotters, but they were clickable ballpoints. Oh my God, and they Cecily, were probably, I have these. You know these pens, <laughs> right? And you dad know how, like, was in the Navy, and they are like Skillcraft is the brand, and they were U.S. government contract pens. Yes! And they were so satisfyingly inky. Oh my God. They were so inky and you could press so hard, you would actually leave an impression, not just on the page that was underneath the page you were writing on. It would go like three or four pages deep. And it made the paper crinkle. I know. (laughs) Yes. I'm just going to stop both of you for a second and say that Aline will sometimes write with a ballpoint pen and then pause and pick up the paper and sniff it gently and then continue with what she was doing. That smell. Oh my god, I've forgotten that smell. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I was just still using like um when I was in university or, or in college. I, I've lived in Canada for so long now. I, I we can tell, like we can tell. University. <laughs> That's okay. But when That's I was, fine. <laughs> when I was in college I went through, what were they? The the ballpoints that were, um, they're like, oh, I can't remember what they were called. I just, I unearthed a whole bunch of them in my office recently and I gave them to uh, a coworker because she loves them. But they were, um, there's a there's a vendor and I don't necessarily want to mention the vendor's name, but there is a, a library vendor. And one of the things that they give out, I'll just say that their name rhymes with hail. <laughs> they give out... <laughs> They give out these pens. And when 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 my colleagues would go to conferences, they would just hoard them. And then they apparently the vendors stopped giving out these pens. I'm like, well, I have a whole bunch of them. If you if you want them, you can have them. And they were I don't want to say it almost came to fisticuffs, but it kinda did. Oh. So and we were doing office cleaning and I unearthed a few more and I was just like, Psst, hey, look. So I got rid of those, but I moved to probably um, Uniball Onyx, you know, the stick rollerball pens because, Uh you know, still being very dramatic, still writing in capital letters, still liking a really dark, inky pen. Those are my favorite pens. And I got to a period where I was doing user experience work and I had to do a lot of uh, wireframes and do a lot of drawing and diagrams and those kinds of things. And I always had to have my Uniball Onyxes. I'll fast forward a little bit, but at one point... (laughs) (laughs) Because I could talk about this forever. Uh, At some point, I discovered jet pens. And I don't even know how I came across it. I think it was when one of my coworkers, when I was working for a bank as a user experience architect, had these pens that were from Japan. Mm -hmm. They were Pentel Slickies. And even though, uh, I think, I, I, I don't know if they're pronounced Slickies or they pronounce them like Slikies. I don't know. They're these very, very thin gel pens and you can get them with a 0.28 tip, <gasps> which is basically like writing with a needle. Yes. But because they were gel pens, you know, they didn't smear anything like that. I switched to those and that was pretty much all I used for a really, really long time. So I went from like writing really, really big when I was in university to doing the whole, you know, user experience per- person with the funky eyewear and the tiny writing. Uh-huh. I, went, I, start, I became one of those people for a while. A few years ago, 
I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis um, and I started noticing it because I was, my hands were hurting all the time and writing with really small pens or writing really small became really uncomfortable for me. So I started doing some research about, you know, the next big pen. I mean, even then, I think this is probably like the early 2000s, maybe. There were still people online like writing about pens um, and people started, I think it was, I, I want to, no, it wasn't the pen habit. I can't, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time remembering where it was, um, but I started reading about the Uniball Jetstream. Yes, us too. <laughs> and, you know, people are like, this is the smoothest ballpoint pen you've ever used. It's it's like a ballpoint, but the ink's like a gel ink. It's it's an oil-based ink. It doesn't smear. It's very, very smooth. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, nothing could be that smooth. And, that, and I ordered one. And, and I think at the time in North America, they were only selling the jet the jet stream in like 1.0 like a really really broad tip and i just got you know the plain blue jet stream yep and i just wrote like wrote my name and it was like glass and i just thought where have you been all my life <laughs> <laughs> and so i switched to jet streams but even just as smooth as jet streams are, and I keep a couple around for when, you know, my fountain pens don't work because you can't use a fountain pen for everything, much to my dismay. I just keep them around because they're just fantastic. And then I discovered that jet that jet pens also sold not just the 1.0 jet streams that you can get here in North America. They sold 0 0.7, 0 0.5, 0 0.3. Like they <gasps> sold the really, really fine ones, right? <laughs> um, so I have I have a few Jetstream multi-pens in various widths uh, just sort of lying around my apartment. And then at some point I was doing some research for people who have, who have rheumatoid arthritis and it affects their hands. And, you know, talking about writing and, you know, people were like, oh, well, you know, I just had to switch to typing or, you know, oh, or I just started using voice dictation. And I was just like, all of those things would work, but they're just really cold and very, not very analog. And I'm not an analog fetishist by any stretch of the imagination, but there's something with me that if I write something down, I remember it better. Yep. Yeah. So uh, a few people suggested, you know, hey, why don't you try writing with fountain pens? Because, you know, you don't have to put the pressure on your hands. You don't have to press as hard when you're writing with a fountain pen the way that you do with a ballpoint. And then from that point forward, that's all she wrote. I, I, I bought a... a Pun intended. <laughs> a I ha ha ha! I didn't even catch <laughs> we it. We see what you did uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a a lemon yellow Lamy Safari. On, I've read uh, your writing about this, <laughs> and and it's so passionate, and I'm so affected by it. Uh, I bought it on eBay. Um, I you know now that I know better, it was probably actually a ripoff. It was probably like a knockoff or something, but I don't even care. And it was an extra fine. Lamy Safari because I'm still coming from the past of writing really small and writing having really precise handwriting and there is just something about the act of using that pen and when I would take it to work I mean I was already known from somebody at work who she likes her pens and she likes her stationery that's just her way but then when I started showing up to work with this bright yellow pen and you know I, the, people just noticed and my handwriting just my handwriting took on a life of its own like my normally the, what I had taught myself on how to write the really small cramped handwriting it blossomed into something that was a lot more expressive and a lot 
more in common with what the way that I used to be when I was younger. Um, you know, a lot more flourishes, a lot broader. Um, and then I discovered, you know, you can move from with a Lamy Safari, you can go from at extra fine all the way up to like, you know, really, really broad stub. You can even get like oblique stubs with Lamy Safaris. And from there, I just, you know, tried every single fountain pen that you could possibly imagine. I think at last count, I have about 17 of them. Wow. Maybe 18 of them, various price points. But that's pretty much all I write with now are fountain pens because not only with fountain pens does your handwriting get more expressive, but there's all these ink colors. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I am today. You're going to have to tell us what an oblique stub is since we have zero fountain pens but I feel wait, that... wait we fountain pens you well, don't know about them fine fine <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any that I have been allowed to see <laughs> hidden fountain pens are the best see, I hear from a lot of people in fountain pen groups that you know um, you have to you have to lie to your partner or you have to hide the things that you buy and I'm just like thank you for reaffirming my decision to stay single because I don't have to worry about stuff like that oh my goodness <laughs> all my fountain pens are just old and dried up and crusty because I haven't used them in a all long right. time as soon and as I get them I just out have and like wash them we'll be bottles fine. of ink and pens for like uh for art art purposes dip pens yeah Yeah. so tell us about an oblique stub you used that phrase so a stub to start is if you ever see anybody do calligraphy or hand lettering a stub is a type of nib and the nib is the end of the pen where you write if you look at a regular fountain pen and you look at the nib um, they're usually tipped there's a little ball on the end where the tip of the the nib is mm-hmm. and it's round but on a stub that ball isn't there it's basically just completely flat so instead of looking at the tip of a pen and seeing like the little ball it's completely flat and oblique basically means that the nib of the pen one of the tines is shorter than the other oh yeah and yeah. they usually file them down based on the degree of rotation when you're writing because some people when they write with fountain pens I'm also really bad at this and I've had to train myself not to do it when you're writing with a fountain pen what can sometimes happen is your hand will start to rotate as you've been writing for a while Mm. so um, and then you start running into an instance where if you're writing with a stub and you're rotating too much a regular stub and you're rotating too much your pen will start to scratch across the paper or get or start to skip with an oblique stub you have the side that you rotate toward is shorter so that no matter how much you rotate the pen your pen never goes dry it never goes scratchy and it never skips magic well that's beautiful cecily said she brought herself up to today do you want me to go or do you want to i'll go quickly because you have more so i i don't remember when I, I, I went up to my drawer and I got this Parker pen in a box, which I've had oh. for the last, let's say, 25 years. Wow. And I don't remember using it. I remember coveting it. I remember because I had also had a severe Robin Hood obsession. Oh, right. the and it has a little arrow, arrow on it. That's right. <laughs> and so I would, like, take it out of its box and it's nice and metal and heavy and I would, like admire the arrow and then I would put it right back (laughs) (laughs) but for most of my pen wielding life I have been a pilot pen user I have an extremely dried up pilot b-ball extra fine that was like what I used Mm -hmm. for 
most of college, although I had a gel pen phase in there, especially, so my friend Angie, who has been on the podcast before, was heavy into gel pens, and she used to take them her whole collection to class and put them in rainbow order while we were, you know, listening to the lecture. <laughs> I didn't have the same number, but we were like, you know, when someone else is buying gel pens, you're not going to watch them. <laughs> so I think I still have some of those around. The impressive thing is that the the pens that we still have around that are like 30 years old or 20 years old and that's still right. They're still yeah. here. So I remember I I also have a bunch of uniballs and my feeling always was like the tinier, the finer, the better, I think. It's because you have teeny tiny illegible handwriting. Right. <laughs> that would do it. And so if you're using a 1.7, <laughs> then it's just going to look like a, a lie. A tiny... So we also had a Jetstream uh, conversion revelation, whatever. We, we read various blog posts and we were like, well, you got to try these. It was actually part of our courtship. It you was. gave me some of them. I did. <laughs> that is the sweetest. <laughs> so we have a collection of various colors that are in the like um do you grab have the like black colored ones <gasps> oh my god the black purple and the black yeah. green yes. are our favorites i i keep a black brown in my desk yeah at the work. black browns are nice so that was i i have to talk about brown pens when you're done Anna. okay <laughs> well just the in our communal jar of like pens that you use when you need to like write on the grocery list or write a note to school we have jet streams and then various conference giveaway pens. <laughs> right. But my current pen regime is I have still pilots. I have pilot precise or precise. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I have a bunch of pilot G2 gel pens. And then I have little teeny Muji pens. The smallest of which are the 0.25s, which I use. Wow. So Muji has these post-it notes that are days of the week, and they're very tiny. Uh, I might talk about this in my obsession later, but in order to fit the things I need to fit on my calendar, I have to use the teeny tiniest Muji pen with my teeny tiny Muji calendar. (laughs) 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 And that's fine by me. I can understand that. Over to you. Over to me. Back to the 70s. Like Cecily, I can track back to the 70s where my dad had the clicky skill craft government issue pens that came. (sighs) These little black ones with the silver band in the middle of them. And they they were clicky pens, so you could, like, take them apart and use the springs for dastardly things and and all kinds of stuff. And these, they were, Cecily already talked about how gloriously inky they are, so I don't really need to rehash that. I remember occasionally discovering one in my my dad's desk or something that wasn't standard black, that was sort of like a treasure hunt. So there would be, like a rogue red pen in the bottom of a filing cabinet or something and of course I'd be like can I have this or it's possible that I was small and sneaky and squirreled it away too I I confess nothing and my my dad's not around to hear my confessions anyway so <laughs> do you say you still have some of those or I have a like later generation okay. version of one upstairs and I'll I'll show it to you sure you will then so and I need to sort of insert here in the 70s, in the late 70s, early 80s, 
my mom is left-handed and she doesn't write with her hand curved around but just by writing with your left hand from left to right you drag your hand through your ink and yeah. so my mom used pencils a lot and then i'm old enough to remember when the rollerball pen was a new innovation and they had quick drying ink and my mom discovered them and she was like these are great these are what I'm gonna write with and she like before Staples was a thing she somehow went to an office supply store and bought the bo a box of 12 which is not something you really see or saw end users doing <laughs> you know it would be you know they would show up in the supply cabinet at work or something but you didn't always just see your your random lady also a librarian my mom <laughs> buying their pens in bulk and she did and so I think that I learned that from her like find the pen you like to write with and go with get it get a bunch of them and get a bunch of them right so I have drawers of pens <laughs> and I've been gradually trying to conmari them but every pen <laughs> sparks joy so how could I possibly <laughs> So then in the 80s, she discovered the Parker fountain pen. So it's just like oh. the little aluminum tip with the cartridge ink that, you know, I don't know, they were like $8 at the time, which was really high end where you were talking about your 10 Papermate stick pens for a dollar. And we had those and I still have a couple of them. And in the late 80s, I went to college. So it was before gel pens were a thing. Where does Le Pen come into this? Oh, the Le Pen! <gasps> so we didn't talk about the, the little... The, no, so the, we didn't. The Le Pen style fiber tip pen, or is I don't know what you call the tip, but I think yeah, of it a, is like a, like a fiber Yeah, it's like a fiber tip. or plastic tip, and if you were lucky, you got a week's worth of use out of it before right. the tip became deformed. Right, and they just, they dried up, or they, or you like pushed too hard, because that was like an early practice in not pushing too hard, when I had been a vigorous hard pusher my whole life. <laughs> and so there were those, and those, you're right, thank you for mentioning them, because those were the mid-80s, sort of high school, we had different colors, and we like wrote notes to each other in class with them. So I went to college in Seattle and the university bookstore was one of my first experiences with one of those great big stores that has art supplies and has like a wall of pens and has all of the notebooks and paper and everything. And of course I went there three times a week, drooled over everything and spent all of my scholarship money my <laughs> freshman year. <laughs> and during my time working at the libraries at the University of Washington, I had a job in the library where I filled out the little internal slips to send things to the bindery and I somehow started using a purple pilot stick pen. So it was a ballpoint with the crystal yep, yep, yep. barrel, I had some of those. but it was the pilot. It wasn't like yeah, yeah. the big one. And that became the I had a green one too. measure by which I by which I judged all purple pens since then. <laughs> it was a nice dark purple and it was nice and inky and it wasn't blobby, but it was a ballpoint. So you still had to sort of like build in a habitual rotation of the pen as you wrote, <laughs> which, which reminds me, you know, like you can't do that with a fountain pen. You can't turn it much at all. And then in between college and graduate school, I worked at Microsoft for six months, which was my first experience with a like vast supply closet that had all kinds of everything wonderful and Microsoft had a really good inky pen, inky black pen at the time that was reminiscent of the skill craft. <laughs> and then I went to graduate school and then I finished graduate school and I moved to New York and 
New York has Europe used to have European style stationers with mm. the wall of the cubby holes of pens where they have every kind of pen and every color that they could dream of manufacturing it in outside of really big cities. I haven't seen one in Boston, but I haven't spent enough time in Boston to see it, but I don't remember there being one in Seattle. You can see it at Kinokuniya if you have one of those near you. And there's one attached to the Awajimaya in downtown Seattle. So that's the closest you can get. But the cubby holes, I would always go through and I would like test all of the purple pens because I have been writing in purple mm, a lot since college. And I never liked the Pilot G2 purple because it wasn't dark enough. Exactly. <laughs> God, wishy-washy purple makes me so mad. It does. I want a dark purple. And so that is, and the Pilot G2 is a lovely pen, and I'll talk a little bit more about it. So I've been looking for purple pens. And then when I was living in New York, I was when I was a gainfully employed adult with disposable income and I began <laughs> traveling. And so whenever I traveled, I would make sure to visit a stationer or to visit a, a supermarket or a general store that had a lot of pens. And I was buying purple pens in Paris and London and <laughs> New Zealand and all kinds of different places. I was always buying any purple pen I could find. And I still have a lot of them. And, you know, it's been 20 years that I've been buying purple pens at an alarming rate. And I still buy them. I just picked some up at Christmas. <laughs> Fortunately, I also have Anna for whom to buy teal pens. And so when I'm looking at beautifully colored pens, I buy the purple and the teal. And I can give her those. Or she also likes green and aqua if you're shopping, <laughs> dear listeners. <laughs> um, I, I had gel pens. I had gel pen face. I, I didn't... I didn't get like really sucked into them. My gel pen phase was more as a librarian, bossy type librarian. I used the Pentel gel stick yeah, yeah. that comes in a thousand yeah. colors, yeah. but I used the blue and I used the black oh, at work. That's really boring. It is really boring, but they were so beautiful. They the are, thing that was so smooth. satisfying about using them was that they ran out of ink in like two weeks of heavy use. And then you're like, yeah. great, moving and, like, on. Using up a pen is so satisfying. It's so, and you can watch it go down, yeah. you know? <laughs> anyway, that was, that was my favorite part of the gel pen. Um, <laughs> at, so I things, so I talked about my left-handed mom. A lot of people got a Parker Jotter as a graduation present or maybe a pen and pencil set. And nobody gave me one when I graduated from high school. Oh, I don't know. I was in some sort Do you want of me to give you one now? black hole of society. <laughs> no, I bought myself some since. Okay, good. <laughs> like I got, my mom gave me a pen and pencil set when I graduated from high school and being the 17-year-old ingrate that I was, I was like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because, I mean, it was, it like, it wasn't that I was, it wasn't that I didn't appreciate the gift. The first thing I did was whip it out and get some paper and try it out. And I was just like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So sometime in there, in my relatively youngish professional life 20 years ago, I was using the Filofax that is the tiniest one, not, oh, the teeny, wow. not the teeny weeniest one, the one where the pages are three by five, but it's like a three by five page for a week. And so I started using a super fine tip gel pen and it had to be in, it was a different color each year. 
and it had to be like a complementary color to the Filofax <laughs> itself. Of course. Of course. Yeah, obviously. I mean, what what kind of cretin wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> and so so there but I share Cecily's large dramatic handwriting pressing hard and so that was an adjustment to like be using this like week on a page teeny weeny calendar where I was having to write tiny tiny cryptically and so I have always really liked a 1.3 bold pen and a 0.38 teeny weeny thing for different You're a, reasons. It's a dichotomy. Yes, right. I'm. I am. I am a woman of many contrasts, many, many things. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also became sort of interested in like having a set of the colors. So a pen that I can I see your can. I think you've got one in there. Okay. No, they're not. But it's a it's a Uniball Vision, I think. Mm-hmm. That it it came in this set of eight of them, and there was a purple and a hot pink and an orange and a dark blue and a medium blue and a black and a red and a green. And I loved having those, and I began to develop convoluted color coding for my calendars. So I had to write work things in blue and personal things in red and boring things in black and. I'm getting back to that in my bullet journal action, which is a little, it's a whole nother episode. <laughs> and I think that I might be almost done. That's why we're, we're answering some of, some of our and, um So my, I have never ordered anything from jet pens, but it's where I go to verify something that I'm obsessed with to like, make sure that I have all of the information in case I ever am going to buy it. <laughs> I do a lot of buying in person. Like I have, uh, retractable Muji 0.38 gel pens in several colors. Sort of on the topic of bullet journaling, I have been forced back into the Pilot G2 because of bleed through in some mm. of my more satisfying pens or that I like. And so I gave Anna a million, no, it was only Costco 20, had a, a Costco set. 20 set yeah. of G2s. And she gave me the duplicates, and so I'm going to work with those in next year's, in this year's book, because the paper has a little bleed Well, through. right now the priority is using books that you already have in order to work your way through those, so... Right, yeah, I'm using, uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not in the market for uh, paper, paper, paper right, right now, right. <laughs> or, or paper recommendations. Okay, then I, <laughs> I will keep my mouth shut, because I was, I was thinking about how I tried bullet journaling for a while, and... I discovered bullet journaling at the same time that I discovered fountain pens. Oh. And I discovered that a lot of fountain pen, well, depending on the paper, it will either, you'll get show through on the back of the page, which is not a big deal, but right. some, the broader fountain pens would bleed through. Right. And rather than going, oh, well, I'll just use another pen. I was like, I got to find a new notebook. <laughs> <laughs> which so is why I mentioned <laughs> that part of the, part of the goal of our bullet journaling is to use up some of the notebooks that we have been hoarding like we've been hoarding pens. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, and I used an old school four color, you know, the four color Bic clicky pen. Mm-hmm. I have been using that for the last couple of years with my bullet journal because ballpoint pens don't bleed through and they make the paper crinkly when you press really hard. And they smell good. <laughs> and they smell good because you can just sniff the paper. <laughs> So you, you have you haven't discovered Japanese multi pens then? I have fondled them in stores. I have not found and and Muji has is there a Muji in Vancouver? 
there too. They just opened, but okay. one of them is in a mall, which I I just can't do. I'm no. just, I can't. No. Um, and another one is is in a high traffic touristy area, which is another thing I can't do. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been to either of the Muji's here in town. Okay, so they do, they have. I think it might be just a three barrel one, but it's a it's a you load it and so you can pick your three colors yes which that may be what you're talking about and that may be the standard but i i looked at those last time we were at muji and i was like (laughs) because i could have like purple and pink and green and or whatever anyway i i'm sure we'll be back yeah, I'm sure we'll there's a Muji. I I forget that there's a Muji in Boston that we can go to. We don't only have to go when we're in New York. Correct. So I think I'm done. I'm. There's going to be more. Oh, current favorites. Did we talk about? Is no, that, no. So is that later. So the next question is is <laughs> something that we've touched on, but it's just a your favorite pen. Like if you have all the time you want, and you don't have to worry about bleed through, and you're just writing something for yourself, what pen are you using? Hmm. <laughs> it would probably be if I'm just writing for myself, like I'm not having to write anything for work or right. no one is going to no one is going to look at it except you unless you want them to. It's a Lamy 2000 fountain pen and it probably has let me get the color name right. I'm just going to reach over and grab an, a bottle of ink. Hold on. Uh, it's probably got sailor ink from Japan. And it's called Sky High. And it's this lovely blue that is exactly the color of the sky at about four o'clock in the afternoon on a summer day. You know, that beautiful blue? Yeah. It's that color. And that pen, because I went looking to my, I went to my favorite pen store here in Vancouver. It's called the Vancouver Pen Shop. And every October to celebrate their anniversary, they have a big sale. You can get some pens from like 20 to 30% off. And that can really add up when you're buying (laughs) pens that are in like the hundreds of dollars, right? So I went in and... You know, a lot of my, my fountain pen friends are like, oh, you've got to get a sailor. You've got to try a sailor pen. And I'm just like, eh, okay, fine. I tried it. And I tried it and it just, it didn't feel right in my hands. And it just, the nib was scratchy. And I like a little bit of feedback when I'm writing with a fountain pen. Um, you know, that kind of squitchy, squitchy sound when mm-hmm. you're writing. Yep. But it had too much feedback and it just wasn't right. And I, I like a broad pen and, and the, the sales clerk said, hmm, let me go get something for you. And she came back with a broad Lamy 2000. And as soon as I held it, like without even writing with it, as soon as I held it in my hands, this pen was like, hey, baby. That's good pen advisory right there. That's what we want. That salesperson um, is. And it, she she dipped it in some ink so that I can try it because they won't ink up a pen unless you buy it. And she dipped it in some ink so I could try it. And it's a broad, but it's one of the broadest broad nibs I've ever used it's like writing with a marker and they have this thing lamy 2000 pens the broader your nibs get some people say that the nibs will start to sing they squeak a little bit mm-hmm. just a very very low squeak 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 but it's, it's it sounds better than i'm making it sound and i just i, I swear it was like the angels started singing to me and i had to have this pen. so if i could use no other pen for the rest of my life it would be a lamy 2000 okay all with, right uh, sailor sky high ink in it all right see 
Doesn't that make you want to go buy one right now? Yes. Yeah. So that, that was, I was, Cecily wrote something. I read something on the internet. She was like, right. She tweeted something that she had on written Instagram about maybe. her lobby pens. Yeah. And I was on the internet looking for them going, which one should I buy? And I was like, Aline, you don't really want a fountain pen. And I'm like, but I have to have one. <laughs> and I still haven't yet, but I bet at the end of this podcast. Yeah, I bet that this will uh, motivate. What's your favorite pen, Anna? Well, see, it, it rotates yeah but um today my favorite pen is my teal turquoise yeah pilot precise v5 extra fine just i've been writing my to-do list in it and it's soothing and it's good to have it be soothing when it's all the stuff i'm supposed to be doing <laughs> well you know and it's a hot it's a it's an old school pen you know i've had a purple one of those in my life for a long time yep and for a while, they were selling a three-pack that was a purple one and a pink one and that tealy aqua one that you've got there. Yep. And I have... I don't know where they are. I, you know, I think I've got a carton of work stuff somewhere that I have not cracked because when I went through all of the pens recently, I you were was missing, missing some. a Even though you found Le Pens from the 80s. <laughs> um, so, I recent, so I've been... What happens at work is I have a, a little pencil case bag. What do you call this? It's a pen case. Pen case. Okay, sorry. Like a that. zipper pouch. Many Z- there, a zipper them. pouch. And it has uh, like 20 to 30 colored pens in it. And I carry it around the library with me. And so we have stat sheets that we keep for reference interactions on desk. And like, there's just a cheap giveaway pen there. But I like put that aside and I take out whatever pen I want and I like sign my name. And I keep my stats in that. And then I try to make sure to take it with me when I leave and one of my coworkers was like that's interesting and I was like I, I decided I should enjoy the pens that I have why not like use them in the course of my daily work even though everyone else's stats are in boring black then you got like a splash of purple yeah <laughs> then we move on to whoever was after me so this is good, and it took me a long time to get around to that because I would buy all of these amazing pens and then I would hoard them. And you've seen the drawer I have. that I have. I have an IKEA Ulmer little six-drawer metal cabinet that I think I have one drawer that is completely crammed to the brim with pens, like you can't open and close it without giving it a little wiggle. <laughs> and um, and that's just the ones that I have there because, of course, I also have a zipper pouch with 20 pens in it that I carry around. And I always have carried around a pouch full of pens or had a pocket in my bag that was full of pens and the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to me would be for someone at a meeting to say do you have a pen I can borrow because I would be like no (laughs) you can't use any of these and I started carrying around conference giveaway pens as extras so that I could loan somebody a pen without feeling like a hoarder sending a child away. Okay, so answer the question of your current favorite. Oh, my current favorite. So, well, when you were like, if you're just writing something, so if I think about, like, I'm writing a to-do list or I'm writing a, or the grocery list or something, I'm just using a black jet stream or, you know, sometimes it's just a hotel pen and none of these bother me. I mean, I really like a jet stream and if I'm going to be making a big long to-do list, then I'm going to do that. But in my bullet journal, I'm going to want to use my Muji 0.38 retractable right. gel pens right. in the various colors because they're going to make me 
enjoy what I'm writing. I'm going to think that my handwriting is pretty with it. And I have pretty, um, I have very kind of basic legible handwriting that's a little large, but it's not loopy and it's not, it's very, uh, what is the word? It's functional. I have legible functional handwriting. And Congratulations, so a, you're ahead of a lot of people. <laughs> with a, but writing with a pink pen makes it nicer, and it is my only real artistic expression is my handwriting, or the color that I use <laughs> to write things, since I don't otherwise express my uh, artistic inclinations in a visual way. So yeah, I'm going to go with a, a, like a fine point gel like those like my Muji pens. Okay. But I cannot, I cannot go through Target without looking at the pen aisle. I mean, I, if I accidentally walk down the little crappy, you know, automotive and school supply aisle at the supermarket, <laughs> I stop and look at the pens. I know there is nothing there that I want, but I look. You don't know that. <laughs> right. I don't know that. I have to keep checking. We did not, we haven't talked about Sharpies because I think that they're sort of okay. a separate thing. So why don't we segue a little bit into pencils? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yay or nay. <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk about Sharpies because for a long time I used the Super ultra fine Sharpie marker, the one that has a little pen like uh-huh. nib. Yep. Tip, whatever you want to call it. Official words. I have a bunch of those. And so they have serious bleed through, but they have that like marker smell yes. going. Mm-hmm. And they were mostly in black, but I feel like they also came in colors. Yeah, I have some magenta ones. Yeah. So I don't think we acknowledge any other markers in our house than sharpie yes well, we have our art markers but, <laughs> that's true but we, we yeah but we have well, our card catalog has a drawer that is full of sharpies it's just full of sharpies wow in various colors <laughs> well you know we had we merged two pen hoarding households right <laughs> relatively recently <laughs> and so that's part of the problem pencils pencils cecily what's your stance on pencils you know i remember being in school and having a little bit because again I'm an overdramatic kid my heart would just break a little every time my pen I would my pen my, the teachers would say you have to go and sharpen your pencils because you're going to take a test because I always liked it the feeling of a dull pencil mm-hmm. on your paper mm-hmm. and you would get next to no feedback on your paper and the pencil would just be so smooth and it felt so good in the hand (laughs) that, you know, having to like having to do a test or something where I had to use a Scantron or something like that. And you have to have a nice sharp number two pencil. I'm like, yeah, mine's not going to be sharp. I'll show you. I'll just, you know, (laughs) spend 20 minutes making my, you know, making my bubble darker. (laughs) Yeah. I I love a dull pencil and I have, I keep on my desk at home. It's a, a Sakura uh, Sumo Grip pencil. It's a mechanical pencil. And I use it for like when I'm drawing, I sketch things out first with the pencil and then I go over them with like um, a Pigma Micron or something. But the thing about this pencil is with most mechanical pencils, you know, they stay sharp. But I just stay writing on the same side until I get <laughs> until that it's nice, dull enough. <laughs> until it's dull enough. And it's just so perfect. And then when I have to rotate my pencil because it's just gotten too dull, it's just like that tiny little heartbreak again. 
So people are going to hear this and think I'm insane. No, no, I feel you. I feel you so much. So I love a mechanical pencil because I hate, I have uh, weird noise sensitivities. And so the grind of a pencil sharpener sends me around the bend. So I loved mechanical pencils when they first became sort of widely used when I was in high school, I guess. Or, and, or maybe it's something that you just learn about when you get older, when you're not having yeah. a wood pencil. The talk. But, yeah, the talk about the pencil. <laughs> but they were always a point three or a point five, and mm-hmm. I never, ever liked them because, of course, I pushed hard, and they would just snap, 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 snap. And then as a grown-up, so I didn't discover these in college, but as a grown-up, I discovered that you, you can get a point nine or you can even get a 1.3 pencil lead. And so I carry around a mechanical pencil that is really pretty. I don't know where we got it. I think Anna might have bought it for me. And it has a .9. Like a 1.3 is the size of the lead in a wood pencil. Oh! And so if you get a mechanical pencil with a 1.3, which you can get, and I think Sakura makes one, then you can get that soft, dull pencil and then you're using that end and but you're scooching your lead forward without any kind of sharpening so you keep it forever i'm gonna have to look into this because the pencil that i have is a it's a 0.9 oh which is great and i you know the one i have in my bag is a 0.9 but the 1.3 is out there so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this goes both ways, doesn't Anna it? Anna is waving around. Well, okay. So oh, this this pencil though, I remember this. My mom had one. Oh too. my god, this is my mom's. Yeah. This is so my mom's preferred writing utensil. Writing utensil <laughs> is a Pentel 0.7 millimeter blue mechanical pencil. So I used one for many years. I prefer a sharp pencil. Yes. Like, if I am using a pencil, I will go sharpen it first. (laughs) (laughs) Because I like to have a really sharp pencil. In fact, I might even sharpen it in the middle of whatever I'm doing so that it's still sharp. (laughs) So whatever is the opposite of this dull pencil. (laughs) But it just feels so good. All right. Well, it feels the same way to have a nice sharp pencil for me, I guess. So I did... I did handwritten schedules for a large portion of my librarianship. Maybe not a large portion, maybe just five or six years. I used a mechanical pencil and I used a fine point because I was writing in little boxes and because of my handwriting being large and dramatic I needed a finer pencil to do that, but that was a a purpose-specific pencil. Like, I had the scheduling pencil and that was all I used it for. I feel like librarianship is the kind of profession that... (laughs) not only tolerates these eccentricities, it encourages them. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You should have weird pencil fetishes and pen collections. But there are all kinds of things like this. I mean, if you work in a small library, then maybe you have to check off your invoices in a red pen before you send them to the business office. I remember that being a thing. You had to have a red pen for the business office. Or then you work in a department. When I was running the selection department at my previous library system, we all sort of had a trademark pen color and you didn't have to recognize somebody's handwriting, which is hard enough to do when it's just check marks and X's or something. You're sort of like, oh, well, Pam uses a red pen <laughs> and Brenna uses a purple pen and Anna uses a green pen. Different Anna. Yeah. 
Although Anna does like a green pen. You do like a green pen. <laughs> uh, going back to pencils recently, I was uh, a co-MC at a conference here in Vancouver. And, you know, they give us a bag of swag, which is really nice. Even if you're not like speaking, you're just doing an MC or whatever. Um, they give all their guests a, a bag of swag. And one of the, the things that they gave us, there are these cedar pencils. Oh, they yeah. Were, you know, and they were made from cedar from northern BC. Oh, and man. So they were local-ish, and, you know, it was really weird. Somebody, my co-MC was saying something about, oh, and she was just being, you know, kind of lighthearted and jokey. She's like, yeah, they smell really good. I was like, they do what? And I'm on stage, right, doing the MC. I'm like, they do what? She's like, they smell really good. And so I'm rooting around in the bag, and yeah, I actually started you need smelling. Yeah, smell it right I away. Started, I started smelling the pencils on stage. Oh, and then I just, I, I, I kind of forgot where I was. <laughs> Just a little pencil huffing to get by. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. This is part of the talk. <laughs> you might want to smell the pencil, but... <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm glad to know that we all like our pencils, but I, per, I appreciate that the color range of pens. Yeah. I mean, I own colored pencils and they're good for arty purposes. But it's the color saturation too. Yeah. Like even yes. if you get a good dark purple pencil, it's still not going to be a good dark purple pen ink. Yeah. You have to press really hard to get saturation with a colored pencil, yeah. which yeah. is fine. If you use like, um, if you use artist grade pencils, um, especially like I'll mention jet pens again, you're going to have to buy this stuff. They have a pencil set from, I'm trying to remember who it is, but I want to say it's, it's, it's a Japanese company. Of course it is. It's from Japan. Naturally. But they make these pencils that come in a hardness from like, I think the H means that it's extra hard and the B means that it's an extra soft. And the range of pencils goes from a six, it's like a six H, five H, four H, you know, all the way down to like, there's one that's an HB. And then mm -hmm. you go over to the B. So it goes from a six H all the way to a six B. So you've got something like 12 pencils. Dang. And you, when you when you go on their website and you go on JetPens and you look at how they, you know, sketched out so you can see what they look like, that's how you get the different color and the different shading with the hardness of your pencil. <gasps> what? Yes. I had no idea. <laughs> oh my gosh, so informative. So I think uh, one of my questions was, if if someone listening to this podcast was like, um, but. Where can I, where do I start if I want a nice pen? What if I want to break out of my Bic? It's not a prison, but it's a... Do you think that people still just have a Bic habit? I don't know. I what? know people who have a Bic habit. My boss has a Bic habit. Really? They had these, um, they had the, they had these particular Bic pens, um, when she was in the UK and she's lived here for like 13 years now. And she, she kept these pens forever. Um, she had a box that she brought with her and <laughs> she got down to her last box and she was panicked. She was literally panicking because she couldn't find these exact same pens here in Canada. And she was just like, well, I guess when I go home, you know, she goes home to visit her family. I guess when I go home, I can always buy some there. And I think it was her wife who found the exact same, Bic makes the exact same pencil in North America. It's just not orange the way that it is in the UK. Right. And it has a slightly different name. And I, I found out about these. It's like, here are your pens. They're exactly the same. And she said, oh, yeah. You know, my wife found these uh, about a year ago. So now I don't have to worry anymore. And I was, I was a little disappointed that I wasn't the one to get to tell her this. But, <laughs> yeah, there are people who still have a Bic pen fascination. So I, I didn't mean to imply that 
Bic is lesser than anything. No, no. I, uh, I, I meant to imply that. <laughs> I, I, but I think our general policy is that whatever brings you joy when you use it to write is a good pen for you. However, I think, I think what I've heard is that we can all agree that the Jetstream is a good all-purpose smooth writing pen that you can acquire at most in-store locations is that yeah i yeah, would, I I'd would agree say with that you can if, if they're not hard to find they're not they're not at the supermarket but i think they are at target um and they are definitely at your pen purveyors if you are fortunate enough to have one in your vicinity i yeah i would say the the Uniball is it a Uniball Jetstream? It's just a Uni Jetstream. Yeah, it's they've a Uni Jetstream. And I have a I have a sort of semi fancy one that it's not a metal barrel, but it's like a silver barrel with a little. It's a little fatter with a little grippy thing. Oh yeah, and it's got That's my name on it, so I must have had it when I was still working in a branch <laughs> yeah, library that, where people. It's not engraved or anything. Someone had a label maker. Yeah, I, I used a label maker, so some of my pens say Aline yes. on them. Very. <laughs> I have one in my pen bag just to remind me. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, those are a good one. Do you have a favorite? You talked about that blue ink color, Cecily. Is that your favorite ink color, or is there something that's like more readily available to the end user that you also recommend? I mean, it's it. Well, I'm, I don't. Yeah, I know. I can't say it. It's available. I will say that it's readily available. Most most stationery stores like Office Depot and Staples, a lot of them don't carry fountain pen inks. And if they do, they're, they're fountain pen cartridges, mm-hmm. which are fine. And they'll do in a pinch. But most fountain pen inks, you'll have to go to a specialty store or many fine outline out, uh, online retailers, none of which rhyme with het hens wet hens <laughs> um, right right but uh, i would say that if you're going if you're looking for something accessible as far as fountain pens uh, pens are concerned you can usually find the pilot metropolitan um sometimes they're called the pilot mr depending on where you are and they're usually about i don't know 14 15 bucks and they come with a cartridge and pilot inks uh, fountain pen inks are actually pretty good they aren't permanent though so you know if you if you're somebody who's clumsy or you're writing and and, you know, you spill coffee or whatever on your writing, it might get washed away. Mm. But in terms of like, but it's, you know, that's not always the case. But if you're just learning with fountain pens, you're probably not wanting to use it until you get a use to it. See if you're actually going to like it before you outlay a, a deep, a big investment and start looking for things like more permanent inks or iron gall inks or, you know, something that has a little bit more water fastness or light fastness. Ink making is an art in and of itself. And there are a lot of boutique ink makers who make remarkable colors out there. But if you're somebody who's looking for, you know, water fastness, light fastness, probably starting out with a fountain pen might not be your best bet because you are going to the cheaper fountain pens and the cheaper inks aren't going to be as reliable as what you would find in just like a a gel pen or a ballpoint. But they work very well for your dramatic teenage years if you want to like <laughs> you want it to go away. a letter and have it be tear stained. Yes, very, you can get very dramatic effects or your poetry definitely tear stained poetry. I was just thinking that then it would disappear eventually and you wouldn't have to read the dramatic writings of your youth. And this is true because I found a notebook where the pilot, was it a pilot? No, the Parker cartridge fountain pen that I was using 
I think, maybe it was a pilot. No, it must have. It was a Parker. Sorry, doesn't matter. Um, there was a sort of medium blue ink that was, it started out kind of pale. It wasn't a very dark blue. It was pale by the standards of a blue ink pen. And it got super fady, even like by the end of college, finding notes. And yeah. it was like, ooh, look, it looks like it's of yore. Written years ago. Back in 1989. Yeah, that's what I like about it, though. I like that <laughs> thing about it. But yeah, I mean, I would say that even if you're, you know, a German, if you want to be super dramatic, get something like a pilot friction. Um, we haven't <laughs> talked about these pens, but I love them because the thing with a pilot friction, if you really want to freak somebody out, like write something in a pilot friction, put in a hot car and the ink disappears. Nice. Um, and to get it to come back, you have to actually put it in the freezer. This sounds like something little G would like. I was just thinking we need to get some pilot <laughs> frictions for little G and we need to do some secret, secret, secret messaging writing in the, in the summertime when we have the car being hot. Yeah, we're not going to go out to the car right now. They make no. pens. They make markers. They even make stamps oh. <laughs> that have like different little shapes or different little icons on them. But those are kind of fun. Excellent. This is the kind of content I was hoping for from you, Cecily. <laughs> what, what's your preferred ink color, Anna? Well, see, I feel like we're somewhat unified here in that purple, a good dark purple, is something to be desired in your ink pen. I have another coworker who only uses a purple pen, and sometimes I have been known to, if we get like a set of like throwaway kind of pens, to give her a spare purple because I know that she is only using that color. <laughs> I should go see if any of my leftover Parisian or New Zealand purple pens work and send them <laughs> along to her. Sure. But as you mentioned, I like a nice dark green also. I like a good green. I like a nice olive green. Really? I don't think I have anything olive green. A lot of green pens are that sort of clear Kelly green when you're looking at your set of red and blue and black and green when they just come in four colors. Mm -hmm. But then the, the Jetstream black green is just oh, yeah. so, I like that so one. nice. I've liked some greens in my time, and I always return to purple. I had an interval where I was using pink sort of like a, a hot pink magenta fuchsia whenever I could find a properly deep pink I would enjoy them but I think I like purple better you can occasionally find I think you can still find them I know Amazon probably has them the uni BLX that's what they call their black mixture pens okay they're also not just jet streams they're available as uniball oh. pens like uh, uh, uniball elite pens so there you go there's another little tip for you Excellent. all the tips <laughs> So many tips. So, Cecily, did we get a color out of you? I can't. I don't think we did. No, it's not my. No, I didn't. I guess I, I when I I said that when I said the pen that I could write with for the rest of my life. Yes, yes. My favorite ink. Oh, this is so hard. It's like <laughs> asking which foot I prefer. Um, I I have two. One of is uh, there's this company in Australia <laughs> called Robert Oster Inks, and they make this ink. And I'm looking at even in the bottle, it's gorgeous. Oh my god, they make this <laughs> ink called Fire and Ice. And the reason why this ink is so incredible is that you'll hear fountain pen people talk about something called sheen, like there's sheening inks and then there's shimmering inks. And sheening inks are when you write with them, you may occasionally get a different color, like on the very edges of the ink. Yep. 
and you can actually see some of the undercolors that the, the inks are made for. Fire and Ice is a really beautiful mid to dark teal with a red sheen. Ooh. So, and if you write with it with a wet enough pen, when, when you're writing, as the ink starts to dry, all of your letters will have just the very, very thinnest red outline. It's so satisfying. Um, <laughs> my other favorite ink is a Japanese ink. Um, it's Pilot Aroshizuku, and the color is called Yamabudo. And all of the Aroshizuku inks are named after elements of nature. And I think the Yamabudo ink, depending on who you talk to, some people say it has to do with the color of Japanese sweet potatoes. And then some people will say that it's actually the color of a particular wild grape that grows in Japan. Okay. So it's this, it's this really beautiful, it's burgundy, but it's on the pinky, the slightly pinky side of burgundy. And it too has a, a really nice dark, has a dark sheen. So when you're writing with the Yamabuda with a wet pen, you get a nice darker outline on the edge of the pen. It's a really, really fluid ink. So if you're using it in, even if you're using it in a, in a, in a fountain pen, that's a fairly dry writer. The ink, I don't think the ink is lubricated, but just because it's thin, it still comes out fairly wet. And a lot of fountain pen people are also get sort of goofy over, you know, how wet or how, how much an ink flows and the ink flow in the Yamabudo, the Roshiziku inks are really, really good. So if I had to choose two favorites, it would be those two. I can't, I can't choose between them. No, no, you don't have to. That's awesome. It's fine. That's great. I, um, I when you were talking about the edges of the colors and the different sheens and everything, it made me think about the nail polish. I was just going to say, I was just thinking about nail polish because this sounds a lot like our nail polish discussion. It really does. (laughs) And I have, uh, I have one of the little gel pens, um, that I recently bought that is green, but it has a gold, like it, it, it's green when you write it and then it changes to gold with a little hint of green on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's the well, only kind of gel pen that I'm encouraged to buy. This I think that weird the, color changing ones. The, did Angie give you an ink recently? Yes. There is. She gave you an ink that she got from Japan or online or something that is, it has a color. Yep. Just like that gel pen, it has a color with like a glitter see. in it. You keep talking all Or something like that. So that's really awesome. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are really into glitter inks or, sh- or shimmering inks. Uh-huh. But if you if you if you hang out in the fountain pen groups on Facebook, inevitably somebody will go, "Why is my pen all gummed up? Why can't I write with it? What? Do, how do I get all this glitter on my freaking pen?" I'm like, "I mean, these these inks are great, right? But <laughs> you, you pay your have, money, but you take right. your chances. You have a pen that you use with those inks, and I know like a dip pen, for that example. A lot of y'all have more than one pen, so <laughs> Anna found it. This is it says it is from J Herbin H E R B I N Urban. Urban. It's a French. <laughs> it's French. Well, I should know that because it's got things that are en French, and it says it's made in France. So it says ink for fountain pens. Never mix two different inks before filling ink pot or fountain pen. Rinse well, and there is a black and silver, and a teal <gasps> and gold. Yeah. But is and- the teal one? Is it um, what's it called? Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank, but I know which one you're talking about. It's it's it, a good color. Does it, it, it doesn't, this doesn't show the name on the box. Does it show it on the bottle? No. 
Just no. a sixteen. Ooh, but look, we need to shake it because the gold yeah, is yeah, the gold yeah. is all gone at the bottom. I'm gonna find out what it is. Hold on, since I'm sitting in front of my computer. Might be in the little break. insert. No, oh yeah, it might be. Got in it all in German. Stuff. So anyway, Anna's friend, our friend Angie, gave these to Anna for Christmas last year or something like that, and she has used them with her dip pen, and they're just beautiful. They're just like, um, yeah, they make you want to start writing letters to people, which is that's that, hot. That's tough right I mean that, <laughs> I feel like that's really high praise for ink when I'm sort of like you know I can come up with three words and text somebody and that's really all I've got in me or you know I'm only the green for... one is oh. emerald of Shivor. okay that's a beautiful name what's the black and silver one it's got a ship on the top of it it is called what is the black one stormy gray awesome so those are beautiful, and maybe we should go find, um, well, you've got dip pens that we can use. Yeah, they're them. perfect for that. Excellent. We talked about pencils. We talked about ink colors. You, We talked about the website that rhymes with wet hens. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another? I have found that I will occasionally find a specific pen that I'm looking for, and then when I Google it, I'll find a website that I never knew about and yeah. every like every now and then mochi things will have some pens that I'm not finding on jet pens or somewhere when I'm cataloging where I might buy something that I'm probably not going to buy <laughs> I think yeah she, I think oh go ahead no. I was gonna say I think what she's saying is tell us all of your secret websites <laughs> <laughs> if I'm buying non-fountain pen things like if I'm buying things like gel pens or markers or watercolor markers or stuff like that. I, I usually go to j wet hens <laughs> and I, I cross shop between wet hens and another smaller company that was a lot like wet hens used to be a few years ago before they became huge. They're called Tokyo Pen Shop. And I think it's literally this woman and her partner who run it out of like their house or their um their their garage or something. They're they're online at tokyopinshop.com. And you also learn really quickly like who are the people, who are the companies that you do business with who are gonna give you stuff as part of your shipment and the ones who aren't. Mm -hmm. You know, you might only get a sticker or jet pens will oops sorry. <laughs> they don't send you anything as part of your shipment. And I find that that's really disappointing. Tokyo Pen Shop will occasionally send you a piece of candy um, and some extra stickers. My favorite fountain pen retailers, I really only have two. One is Goulet Pens, G-O-U-L-E-T Pens.com. They, yeah, they started out as this guy, this guy named Brian and his wife, whose name escapes me right now. Oh. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, he started out as somebody who made pens in as a hobby. He tried selling them. Um, most of the pens that he was making were like out of wood and roller balls and things like that. And he wasn't really making any money. And something told him, you know, maybe you should start selling fountain pens. And so he started selling like a couple of the fountain pens along with like the pens that he was hand making. And the fountain pens that he was selling started out selling his own pens. Um, and so the and then the rest was history. They are probably the most well known fountain pen real retailer they also sell like paper um they sell ink uh they sell gel pens or um uh, roller balls also um not as much as they do with fountain pens but they're a really good family-owned company they've gotten pretty large but what i really like about them is that if you want to learn anything about fountain pens 
they, on, they're really, really active on YouTube. Brian Goulet makes these videos that he has videos of their dating from like seven years ago when he first got started. Um, and he was still young and pudgy and hadn't lost all his puppy fat, <laughs> you know, like teaching you about fountain pens. And that's one of the places I went to the first time when I started getting into them. My other favorite fountain pen company retailer, they're in Canada and they don't always ship to the United States, but I have to, I have to give them some love. They're called Wonder Pens. And they're in Toronto. I wish they were here in Vancouver. And they were a small, very small company, family-run company. Um, it was a husband and a wife who, you know, decided, you know what? We're, we don't like working at our very lucrative jobs where we have, you know, additional benefits. We're going to go and we're going to open a stationery shop. And when they first started out, they would post all of these pictures of their little baby, their son, Caleb. And you kind of got to watch Caleb grow as the shop grew. I think Caleb is kindergarten age now. But one of the main reasons I really love them is that a few years ago, I think maybe about two or three years ago now, they they got a cat <laughs> that they got because they wanted the cat to kill mice in the warehouse. The, they've had the cat for almost three years. The cat has killed exactly one mouse. Oh, well. <laughs> and his name is Chicken. Which if you've if you're if you're, you know, a queer woman of a certain age, you probably remember Hothead Paisan. And yes. Hothead Paisan's check cat was named Chicken. Okay. And so whenever, if you're lucky, they always send a postcard with their orders that's handwritten on the back, you know, thanking you for your order. But if you're lucky, your postcard might have a picture of Chicken on it. Aww. And so whenever I order from them, it's Please. like I look at the uh, I look at the other postcards and they're like, oh yeah, cute throw. But I have lots of Chicken postcards on my refrigerator now. This is good. <laughs> Excellent. We don't mind that they're in Toronto. We can get Toronto much easier than we can get Vancouver. <laughs> this is true. One of my former minions, shortly after I moved to Massachusetts, sent me a care package from Goulet Pens. And so I found out about them that way and was like, hey, and she sent me like a little Rhodia notebook and, you know, a couple of other little different things because we used to go shopping for pens and notebooks together when we worked together 20 years ago. So I'm glad to hear that they are a good resource in addition to being something I have an association with. And they also send you uh, mini Tootsie Pops with your order. Oh, Oh, that's nice. (laughs) That sounds, that's a good idea. Well... What else? Do we have any closing pen thoughts? Everyone should use pens if they feel like want they want to. That's my closing thought. Yes, pens are good. We should I like all, them. Um, have uh, pens that we write with every day, and you should an occasional have, pencil. Yeah, you know. occasional, occasional pencil. pencil. You should definitely pick up a free pen at a conference so that when someone asks to borrow a pen, you're not you're, mad at them. <laughs> you're not. They're um, like, no, you can't have my pen. We talked. Um, Cecily talked a little bit about excavating vendor giveaway pens in her office and passing them along. I have been working my way through my home hoard and stocking the reference desk pencil cups with conference giveaways from the last two decades and so that way they you, disappear well, yes but so you're you're letting them go but they're still at your work so if you want to see them one last time mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and when I thought every now and then I'll pick one up at the reference desk that I had put in the pen cup with the idea that it would be fine for a patron to walk away with it and then I carry it around for a couple of days <laughs> and just sort of like let my detachment process take a little longer sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and it's harder with those ones that rhyme with Yale because mm-hmm. they there was I think that the ones you're referring to are they would 
do like a really nice pen. It would be sort of like a, a pseudo fancy pen with their logo yes. on it. And you could pick one up. Yeah, okay. I think what they are are branded Pentel RSVP pens that they just brand with their logo. Because they look, they look and they write exactly the same. Huh, okay. The Pentel RSVP was a disappointing purple. <laughs> yeah, and, and and no matter if it was like the fine ones, which I hate, I hate all the fine RSVPs, or the, the broad ones, which mm-hmm. you think would be amazing, but it's just... It's wishy-washy. Yeah, it was it was a it was a pale pale purple that didn't work for me. And it had too much pink in it. I'm glad we agree. Oh, too much pink. That's exactly what was wrong with it. I can rem- I can see it in my mind right now. And, and you know, I always thought, well, maybe it's a bad batch, and so I would always test them You're when I was so at a stationery shop. So sweet. See, this is why you should get into fountain pens because there's there's the pinky purples or you know the ones that are that are more pink than purple or my personal favorites, the ones that are black purple or oh, yeah. blue purple. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a blue purple. It's by a company called Private Reserve and it's called Tanzanite. Oh and when you just when you when oh. you open you open the jar of ink, it's just like I just want to swim in it. It's oh it's just glorious. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Just sounds like it's right up your alley. <laughs> it does. <laughs> So, do Anna, do you have any closing pen thoughts? Well, I already closed. I like pens. You like pens? <laughs> I'm pro. I um, My closing pen thought is that I am so delighted <laughs> that we had this episode and this guest. It's good to know that, that we're not alone. I am going to try not to get on wet hens tonight. You're going to wait? Try to Just think about... Well, you know, I read an article online. I don't think it was a BuzzFeed list that was talking about all these wonderful pens, and I think I managed not to take notes. Good but job. there is a pen that I'm looking for, and I don't remember the name of it, so I'm going to have to rummage around in my various notes and see if I have written it down, or maybe I'll just serendipitously rediscover it one a day. A pen that you're looking for? What kind of pen? I think, oh, oh, that's what it was. And I don't know if it was Cecil. Did you write an article about fountain pens, Cecily? <sighs> I don't think so. I may have written a blog post about it at one point, but I've never written an article. Okay, so not it might yet. have, and it might have been your blog post, but it might have been an article that you linked in your blog post or something. It, it was, it was around the same time I read your ode to your Lamy, which is how <laughs> I, and I apologize if I am mischaracterizing what I read, but that's how I remember it, and that's how it touched me. <laughs> so, so it counts a little bit. And there are some disposable pilot fountain pens that come in yes. a whole bunch of colors. Were pilot you, Varsities. You were writing about Varsities. these? Yes, they're a really good starter pen. They are a little bit broader. Like they're, they, they say that they're fine, but I think that they're more Western fine pens tend to be broader than uh-huh. Japanese fine pens, even though this is a Japanese company. Yeah. They're good. They're inexpensive. You can find them not just at wet hands. Even uh, Staples is starting to carry them now. Oh my so goodness. they should be really... Staples. Yeah. Yeah, Staples or Amazon. So if you just want to like have a look in your local store, you might be able to find them there. Yeah. So I it was probably those and I so I wanted to like get a couple of colors and just sort of revisit them because I think I bought some Pilot Varsities in college and I had a couple of them and I liked cuz I liked writing with fountain pens when I was taking longhand notes and was being like 
scripty fancy as dramatic a, in a different way is that what mm-hmm. saying? Um, but <laughs> I feel like I would like to sort of like flirt with it without plunging into a $50 pen so yeah that's actually really good and you know there's another pen that you can try but they're small they're they're small they're deceptively small <laughs> it's the pilot pettit or petite one I think let me see let me compare it to my finger they're about four inches long with a cap where if you post them which is putting it on the back of your on the back of the pen becomes more a little closer to five inches long mm-hmm. they're teeny teeny tiny little things and they come in all of these great colors and sometimes I carry these around instead of gel pens for my if I want colors I will we'll have to try those out. Anna likes it. I have now just a list of different pilot pens, which, <laughs> I mean, great. considering my 30-year affair with pilot pens, that's fine. I'll just, we can just keep expand going. the roster. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is all good information. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, Thanks. we can move on to our Wait, session. I want to say one more thing. Okay. Which is that if you're listening to this and have been trying to, like, keep track of all the things we've been talking about, don't worry, we're going to put it all in the show notes. I always forget to say that at the beginning. We need to add that to the opening script. Oh, yeah, maybe we, we should. We do copious show notes. So, you don't have to be like, which one was I talking about that had the whatever... You can listen to the episode five times, or you can check the show notes. And I'm hoping that Cecily will send us, in our email, a photograph of her bold handwriting with her fancy mommy. <laughs> just, just like you can just sign your name, or you can just say, hi, Bellwether friends, or something that you could just take a picture with your phone and email it to us, and we could add that to the show notes so that we could see sort of the, the glory of it, if you're willing. I'll do that. I can. Okay, good. That's great. I was like, we can edit this out if you did, if you don't like that or if it puts you on the spot. Creepy. You just want a handwriting sample, don't you? <laughs> no, no. I just want to like see. You know, you could use a fancy color, and we could try to get good reproduction on the website. And yeah, we could. Anyway, so we can move I'm on. Afraid to our... the color that's in my Lamy right now is a little boring. It's just a blue black. So well, that Sorry. works. That'll okay. work. It, it'll, but it'll show us like your hand and your boldness of your line because you talked about that. <laughs> you did. It's true. Um, well, do you have a musical here. obsession to share with us? A musical obsession? Yes. There's this artist who I remember reading about her in one of those year-end best of sort of articles. But to to the life of me, I can't actually go back and find the article where I read it. She's a Korean-American artist. She mostly does house music and what the young people called uh, chill step instead of dubstep. <laughs> and her name is Yeji, Y-A-E-G-I. And she's her, her most recent EP is really great, but she's got this song called Rain Girl, girl, G-U-R-L, that just drives me bananas. I can't stop listening to it. And actually her whole EP is great. If you search YouTube for her name, Y-A-E-G-I, she has, she's put up entire sets where she's uh, DJing in clubs. So there's like a half an hour long set. And then there's one that's like an hour and a half long. So you can just sort of leave it on as a loop. And she's just, she's, she's terrific. That sounds great. Thank you for broadening our horizons. (laughs) Well, I've Uh, never heard of her. Me neither. What's your musical obsession, Anna? I'm just going to go way back. We watched Fantasia over the weekend. Oh. Because we're prepping Little G for a trip to the symphony. And we thought maybe if we watched some music... (laughs) That would help. So now I have like an ear, a, a Beethoven Sixth Symphony earworm, 
And so we're putting the entire no, sixth just, symphony. No, we'll do the first movement. That's fine. <laughs> oh, the first movement is that is that the one that we're going to recognize from a cereal or a car commercial? No, I don't think it's used in a lot of car commercials. No, but if you have watched Fantasia enough times, you'll know that it's like the cute Pegasus unicorn babies. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> We are we are having a good time revisiting our classical music tastes yes. in preparation yeah. for taking Little G to the Symphony. And we might we might talk about that in a future episode sometime. I think Do we you should. have a musical obsession? So my musical obsession is if you were here by the Thompson Twins. Really? <laughs> which is a super old kind of power ballad by the new wave Thompson Twins. I don't know if you remember them from back in the day. And you'll recognize the song because it is played over a couple of pensive moments in Easy A. And so we just heard it. And there's a cover. And so if I, if I like the cover, I'm going to listen to the whole cover. If I like the cover, I'll put it in the Musical Obsessions playlist. But I think I might go with the original. I forget how many Thompson Twins were there. Three. <laughs> That's what Three. I thought. When, when, they fir- when they were first starting out and um, becoming big in the United States, they, they played at my high school. Oh, wow. my gosh. <laughs> did you grow up in a John Hughes movie? <laughs> I almost did. I went to a perfor- I went to a performing arts high school. So there you go. There you go. That's really <laughs> awesome. That's really that's super awesome. Do you have a regular obsession, Cecily? Besides pens, obviously. <laughs> um, regular obsession. Probably the only thing I'm really thinking about right now is looking forward to the Olympics. I <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm quite like Issa Rae where I'm rooting for everybody black, but like the Nigerian bobsled team. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I don't care if they win. I just want to see them. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that there is a black woman on the U.S. speed skating team. There is. I saw there that is. on Twitter today, which was very exciting for me. I The reason I laughed hysterically when you said that is because Anna is a huge Olympics fan and is very She told me excited. I couldn't be obsessed with the Olympics this episode, that I might as well wait. Because <laughs> she's now you are doing the it Olympics for me. For thank several you. Episodes, and so thank you for bringing them up. <laughs> now this is this will be the first Olympics. I, I've always told my coworkers that I'm only, you know, I, I will only be nationalistic every two years instead of every four years, and it's during the Olympics. But this will be the first Olympics where I won't have my American flag hanging in my office. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> you didn't well, mean to break down the room. No, 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 no. We're, we're, We can root for the Canadians. That's fine. Yeah, we probably will root for Canadians. <laughs> I will root for the Canadians at everything except hockey. Because, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Which reminds me, I need to finish the lesbian romance I have checked out, which involves a Canadian and uh, U.S. hockey player. Right, the bits of it that you've read me have been very cute. What's the title? <sighs> Some hockey. <laughs> I'll I'll it's look not it up. Called by... Okay, so Cross wait, wait, sticks. quick, quick, Probably. tell us your obsession. My obsession first. is uh, I have been half-heartedly bullet journaling. I've been sort of bur- bullet journaling on my own trajectory, which is like I'm scrapbooking or I'm drawing that thing that I have stuck in my head or whatever. And I checked out this book called Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide by Miller. Mm-hmm. And not having read anything but like the beginning of that article that Aline suggested I read. <laughs> <laughs> too and long, didn't read. Too long, did not read. So I like, I got the ebook copy of this book and I just like flipped through it one night and I showed some stuff to her and then I 
sat down and like applied all of the things that I thought were interesting in my book. And so I'm mostly obsessed with seeing if I'll keep up with them. Like I threw in a period tracker because I'm always trying to figure out when that happened. And Well, and you did like you have uh you're doing like a progress thing. You did a progress chart for TV series we're looking at. Yep. And you did a progress chart for this 55-hour audiobook that you have to review. Yep. So you get to color in the little boxes to show for every track. Yeah. For all of the tracks. And and you are really you're really into that and Yeah, I feel like obsession is an appropriate word. <laughs> I think so. It's it's interesting. We are not proper bullet journalers at our house. So the best thing about this book yes, is that it's very casually written and she's like has these like question and answers that are like well how am I supposed to do it and she's like you do it any way you want. Yep. And like well how you know how what 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 should I use? You should use what you want to use. Like what size of book should I use? Whatever you feel like something that's small enough that you can carry it around and big enough that it has all the things you need in it it's not too giant like she's very good at being like it's not prescriptive it's whatever you need to to be and she's a lot of great examples so this is like a great book for just starting out or if you sort of reach the peak of what you're doing but you feel like you could still be doing something else with it that's that's my endorsement Awesome. My so, obsession. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm looking up book title. Oh, right. You're looking up the hockey romance. Uh, my obsession is Crunch Wraps, which Shh, if this is you true. are a patron of Taco Bell, then you have heard of a Crunch Wrap. And like the standard Crunch Wrap is a tostada wrapped in a flour tortilla, sort of like closed like a flour, and then it's grilled on both sides so that the flour tortilla is a little toasted. I am not interested in the standard Taco Bell crunch wrap. I have never had one. I have eaten their breakfast crunch wraps, which are a like scrambled eggs and cheese and a sausage patty and a hash brown patty, sort of like a McDonald's hash brown. Then it's wrapped in a flour tortilla, like a flour, and grilled on both sides. And it is possibly <laughs> the zenith of fast food breakfast. <laughs> See, this this is when I miss America. Is there no Taco Bell in Canada? I I think there might be a couple in BC, but they're all out in the suburbs, and I, I'm one of those people. I I don't go to the suburbs if I can help it. No, so, no, no. I, I endorse um, this. They're mostly in eastern Canada, I think. Well, let me tell you, you can make them at home. Yeah, you don't need to go anywhere. So I discovered a week ago or so, maybe it was longer than a week ago. That feels like forever. I could make one. I I was like, we've got these Trader Joe's hash brown patties at home, and we always have flour tortillas. Why don't I try making a crunch wrap? And I made them, and I swear to God, they were perfect. They were perfect the first oh. time. I scrambled some eggs and I grated some cheese on them, and I warmed up the hash browns and I put them in the tortilla and I folded. I did not think it was gonna work. I was like, how do they get the tortilla to stick to itself when you just fold it like a flour? It's just gonna. Wishes. Pop open but I I folded it up and I put it in the skillet and I toasted it on the one side and when I turned it over it didn't flop open and I toasted it on the other side and it was was beautiful oh my god and then I did it again and so now because I don't like flour tortillas just like in general because they're clammy but this addresses that and I 
I want to make now everything a Now she's trying to make everything into a crunch wrap. We had leftover burritos tonight that we had gone out for burritos and we only ever eat half of the burrito. And usually I like to like put it in a, cut it all up and put it in a skillet and eat it as leftovers, like with a scrambled egg in it or something. And I'm like, let me make it a crunch wrap. And Anna's like, I don't really want a crunch wrap. I'm I like, just... but, but crunch wraps. And so you can Google homemade crunch wrap and get a recipe on all recipes or something. And nice. It, so it will, it will talk you through it. If you, <laughs> if, if what I said sounded complex, it, it, they will spell it out for you. Um, but I, oh my God, everyone should be doing this. I even Instagrammed a picture of it. And people are still liking it. I know. <laughs> I look forward to our nachos inside the crunch wrap. Yeah, we are gonna make like a non-breakfast crunch wrap that will basically be nachos inside of a tortilla. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's gonna be great. And it's also then you don't have to deal with like trying to convince Taco Bell that no, you really don't want meat in it or whatever. Yeah. So there nice. we go. That's a genuine obsession. Hey, right there. we made it to the end. Wait. The no. name of the book is Delay of Game. Delay of Game. And it's by Tracy Richardson. Is this the one that Molly is waiting for? Yes, I haven't finished it yet, I told you. It's been a dozen years since two of the world's best women hockey players first competed against each other in the Olympic Games. The pressure of the intense USA-Canada rivalry forced an end to the, their love affair, and both women moved on. One to coach and marry, and the other to stretch out a playing career that her ravaged body can barely sustain anymore. But the games are upon them once again. Ava wants one last chance to beat the Canadians and win hockey's biggest prize, and Nikki, now a widow and single mother, strives to coach her country to gold, even as the obstacles against her mount. The locker room seems to have ears, and there are few people they can trust. Rivals and former lovers on hockey's biggest stage. Will Nikki and Ava feel the same spark that first brought them together? And can they win on and off the ice with the whole world watching? <laughs> <laughs> so that's your lesbian fiction recommendation for the day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. I think it sounds great. And the bits that you have read to me have been great. We'll have to have me on when we talk about lesbian fiction at some other time. Cause... Yeah. That'd be good. I saw you saying something about lesbian historicals. Oh. No, it wasn't lesbian. I was looking for lesbian historical fiction because I ended up reading a heterosexual historical, heterosexual interracial historical fiction. Yeah. And pretty much my, my brain the entire time was like, nah. No. Nope. Never mind. That would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of that. Well, yes. Yeah. So, yes, we'll have a follow up lesbian fiction uh, discussion. I'm going to have to step up my reading. Or I can just be the MC. That's fine. Thank I started you for to say I could be the straight man. <laughs> I mean, um, you usually are. Been there, done that. <laughs> so, um, great. Oh, my gosh. Cecily, thank you so much for coming on with us. <laughs> yes, thank this you. This has been so much fun. Oh, That's good. I'm glad goal. you enjoyed it. <laughs> the people that are going to be listening to are one hour and 40 minute discussion <laughs> hopefully we'll feel the same way <laughs> uh, we'll edit a little bit of it down we will. we'll try and get it to an, an hour 30 thanks for listening you can find us on twitter at bellwether friends b-e-l-l-w-e-t-h-e-r-f-r-n-d-s you can find us on facebook we're on tumblr we should do some pen tumblings. We should. You can look us up on iTunes and leave us a review and talk about how much you like it when we talk about nail polish and pens at length. 
I'm Anna, and you can find me online at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. I'm Aline, and you can find me on Twitter at Surly Spice, S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E. You can find me on Twitter, actually on pretty much any social network. I use the exact same screen name. Uh, it's Skeskali, S-K-E-S-K-A-L-I. Uh, and I also host a Riverdale podcast called The Riverdale Rag. Uh, my co-host, C. Talene, and I sort of talk about Riverdale from like a grown black woman's perspective because we can't with these children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are, uh... Well, they've gone off the rails, is what they've done. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But the fic is great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, And our In-N-Out music was provided by Julie Jerkins. You can find her on Twitter at HiMissJulie. H-I-M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E. Bye! Bye!